Good morning, everybody. My name is Alberto Lavandeira. I am the CEO of Atalaya Mining. Atalaya Mining is um, it's a company producing copper uh, in Spain, the Pirate Belt, home of the original Rio Tinto district, Rio Tinto company. We have been producing in the last uh, during the last eight years uh, in a mine that has history of over 2,000 years. Alberto, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to see you again. It's been a while since you've been on Crux. I think the last interview uh, you did with Matt in August of last year, you're, it was right in the middle of the kind of the uh, European electricity crisis with, um, <clears throat> I think electricity costs had gone from 60 um, euros per megawatt hour up to 240 um, euros per megawatt hour. Um, and it was, it was there, there were lots of questions about what was happening about the short term uh, electricity prices. Now, the, the short term answer seems to have resolved itself with with electricity prices um, coming down. But it's the, the long term future isn't isn't perhaps secure. Um, but it's been a wild a wild twelve months for the company, hasn't it? In terms of costs, um, I mean, care to com- comment on that? Yes, absolutely. Two thousand twenty two was was very tough. I mean, it started. Uh, with electricity prices going from a fixed price that we had around 60 to to well over 250. Actually, in that third quarter you were commenting, actually, I think there were certain days that we reached 500. It was horrible. Um, those days, the prices of electricity wouldn't even pay. Uh, I mean, uh, we would be higher than the rest of all the costs of the company. Um we thought it was going to be a short, uh, short uh, crisis, but then we we got the invasion of Ukraine. We got the crisis of of the Baltic, the bombing of the Baltic pipes, the the heat wave that uh, that went across Europe and across Spain, plus all the touristic uh, season with all lots of people in Spain. So it was like a, a perfect storm that hit us in the third quarter. But it looks like uh, the storm has passed. We can still see some clouds, but it looks like they're going away. Uh, and we are looking at a bunch of blue skies now this year and the future years. I don't want this to be a presentation or an interview about the European electri- electricity grid. Um, but there are some long-term structural issues with, with electricity in in Europe, are there not? Well, yes. Yes and no. Look, uh, first of all, let's start by, by the whole Spain and the whole Europe, um, and then specifically the case of Atalaya. Um, it's true that the, the, this disruption with the gas, and all this has changed the, the structure in Europe. Uh, the fact that not having a cheap gas has changed the, 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 the landscape, but has had an effect that for the future would be very good because it would mean that everybody will have to realize that we need more sustainable energies, we need more solar, we need more wind, and that needs more copper. That's a good thing for us. Second thing is that Spain is slightly different in the sense that yes, we were linked with the with a with the prices of Europe because it's a marginal system that where prices are in electricity flows from one place to the other. But Spain has never depended in the, in the gas of, of, of Russia. Uh, most was coming from Algeria and from LNG. 
And that continues to be the case. So the prices in Spain have always been slightly lower and prices of gas have gone down from 300 to 30. So basically 10 times less. Still double than it used to be, but going down. But Spain has a different thing. Spain is like an island. Uh, so it has lots of winds uh, all over the, in the northwest, in the northeast, and in the south. And uh, the wind, and of course it has lots of sun which means that we have had a big change in the power sources in Spain. Already, we have seen this already in the first three months of the year, where electricity prices have gone down quite a lot due to the gas prices going down, but also due to the increase in solar and in wind. And this is going to continue. Spain is installing... Um, wind and solar at the rate of more than two or three nuclear power plants a year, the equivalent to two or three nuclear power plants a year. This is something you could not do with other sources. We would still need some sort of, of regulation. Gas or hydro is the only way to regulate the supply and demand. So due to the pricing system, there would be some peaks of high prices due to the high, uh, higher prices of gas. But the future is bright. The future don't take it wrong. Uh, the futures of prices in Spain, right now anyone can, can check them in the internet, are in the range of 50, 45, which is more or less the price where wind turbines that in normal places with some wind will make a very nice living. So that's what's going to, to set the long-term price because companies and big companies or big consumers will set long-term agreements in that sort of range of 40, 50. Once that's set up, like we had in the previous years, we don't really care what's the spot market too much. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the tendency will be going in the right direction. The tendency will, will be more going down than more than going up. Well, that's I mean, when I look at your, um, you, you you published your kind of your in your presentation. You talk about the the all in sustainable cost for the year, which was three dollars thirty seven per pound, or was it three euro thirty seven? Um, I, I think you probably, you did you, you, mostly in, in 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 euros, but that one was in dollars. Um, yeah, and standard, the Q four. Cost was three twelve uh, per pound, so kind of Q four already a lot lower. You also there, the, you've got that very interesting slide in your presentation about showing the other consumables, um, your other cost components which have remained high. So kind of inflation is has come through, and you you talk about um, lime and steel balls and tires and diesel and explosives. Those those other inputs have have remained high. It's uh, it happens. It happens. I suppose it happens in all kinds of business that uh, suppliers are very fast in passing the increase in costs, but they are very slow in in decreasing. And we have seen the prices of of lime going down because lime is is basically burning with gas normally uh, stones uh, limestone stones uh, and the, and the prices of of lime has gone down the prices of explosives are linked with the prices 
of gas also because explosives are formed or created by ammonium nitrate, which is in general produced by gas. So, so that has also been going down, and we will see a big change uh, in this. Well, we already seen a decent change, probably not getting back to where it was in 21 and 20, but certainly a big decrease. Diesel prices is an unknown for me. I really don't know why the prices of diesel are, are higher is paying probably taxes because the prices international are not that high. And still, uh, the balls, uh, which is our another consumption that's quite uh, high in our case, is basically uh, hardening steel with heat. And the heat can come with induction, with which is electricity, or with gas. So both are going down, so also prices of electricity of, of balls will be related to the price of steel, which is it's more or less flat. Depends on the region, Brazil, Turkey. It's higher or lower, but not that high. That's going to go down. So yes, the, the, the inflation has, has stayed there, and there will be some sort of inflation that will stay there for everybody. And it will be like a, a next level. Of 10, 15%, I don't think we'll recover those. No, it will stay, but I don't think it will go higher either. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm just hearing you speak, uh, going through each of those components of uh, the consumables that are needed in a, in a mining operation. It's it's really interesting to hear how integrated that is into the wider kind of energy question. And some of it is related to electricity, and some of it is related to kind of industrial heating through gas. Um, it's it, we're all connected. We are all connected. Everything is connected. It's 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 fascinating. And there's also the other connection, which is the the copper price. You know, so so we talk about costs going up ten or fifteen percent, but we also mustn't forget that the the copper price rises or can rise, and it's um, the 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 demand fundamentals are very strong, and we're kind of currently trading at four dollars a pound. So you know, as costs go up and metal prices, in in some ways, the margin can stay relatively constant. I think so, because at the end, I'm very bullish, and the company is bullish in general in copper. Because of all these reasons, there is limited supply. There's no lack of copper, but there's limited supply for the big increase that we are seeing in. Everybody's talking about hydrogen. Hydrogen has to be generated with cheap electricity. Otherwise, it's not green hydrogen. How do you get cheap electricity? Only with solar and wind. But for solar and wind, you need more copper. You don't generate electricity by burning oil, at least not green hydrogen. So there's a huge demand of electricity coming from the, sorry, of, of copper coming from the climate revolution, climate change fights, uh, green energies, and so on. And on the other side, you see, and this is needed, I mean, copper is needed for all those things. And on the other side, you see that the supply is limited. So yes, we will see certain inflation affecting, by the way, all the mines, because all these things that we are talking about, explosives, diesel, um, energy, balls, are common to all the world. We're not, it's not common to Spain. Spain or Europe was extreme due to the case of Ukraine, but the prices have also gone up in Australia, in South Africa, in Africa, Price of explosives, price of diesel, 
tires, uh, all the things have gone up worldwide. So the inflation is going to affect everybody, which has also certain effects. New products are going to be reviewed, analyzed more carefully with, and it will be more difficult to prove huge products also due to that, that inflation, which will accelerate a supply balance or lack of copper in the next few years. So everything is related. So on, on these new projects, um, and just bringing it to Atalaya, so you've, you've, um, you, you've got, you've just published this new uh, preliminary economic analysis of the kind of the, the review of the kind of the integrated Cerro Colorado, kind of the, the, the bigger project. And that includes two underground developments at San Antonio and San Dionysis and the, the big open pit at Cerro Colorado. Um, and I think at San Antonio, there's a there's a open pit first and then potentially going underground. The way that the economics look, uh, it's kind of, the, it, it, you were suggesting that the the underground should be developed first, but they are in inferred categories. You needed to kind of do more definition drilling for the underground um, resources. The, the PEA gave an NPV figure at an eight percent discount rate, using more or less spot prices of around one point six billion dollars. Maybe it was euros. Yes. No, it was dollars. Stop, stop, did you yes. what, what? Did you use kind of um, what? prices did you use what costs i mean did you kind of incorporate these higher prices in that you know because you're, yes. you're planning ahead it's, it's all of this planning is so important isn't it to use kind of realistic costs we have uh, assumed the numbers of 21 adjusted by inflation so not the prices of 22 because we don't see those sustainable realistic but the prices of 21 uh increased by a certain inflation uh, which is kind of normal practice. We know that the manpower goes up and it's difficult to let it go down. And also, we see that the prices of 21 plus an inflation, I think it was like 10, 12%, which is, is quite normal. From there on, normally you use flat prices, both for inflation and for for cover prices. Look, this PA was, um, was something to put a value to our existing, our existing, uh, how can I say it, infrastructure and deposits just sitting around the current bit. We had already announced in the past the resources of San Dionisio and San Antonio. San Dionisio is, is, a, is, a, is a deposit, is a mass, which is basically the continuation of our existing pit that had been already partially mined by open pit, but the previous operators only mined the high grade. So they left some very nice grades, more than double the grade that we are mined currently, in the side of the pit, and uh, with a slightly higher, uh, with what higher strip rate, but still very economic. We did some numbers, we announced the resources, and already some analysts had already put some numbers on it, and actually they were surprised to see the, the value Car was creating because it was more than double or even triple the, the value of our current operations. So we wanted to have somebody to, to certify that and to give a number of a kind of initial development plan. Said, so, okay, okay, you have this, but what are you going to be doing? Are you going to mine first your current pit? When you finish with that one, you start with the next one, and then you start with the underground, so the delay, no, no. 
what we want is to to mine all at the same time in a sequence that's logical so the logical is that you have the buffer to have the the existing bit that is running smoothly and that will, will be running by 10 years by itself and we put some of this high rate first to get higher net present value so this high rate comes from some initial open bit so the upper part of the pit that's already there that has higher grade that you don't need any modification of the existing circuit that you can just go and mine you start bringing it earlier while you are doing that you could do complete some infilling in the other one which is called san antonio which is an underground small deposit but higher grade while you are doing that, you have four years for that, you are building your circuit to extract zinc because the lower part of these deposits contain, in addition to copper, they contain zinc, which is that's why the copper equivalent production goes much higher. So it gives a, 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 a good sequence and gives and shows that there is flexibility because you are not pressed to produce 15 million tons, 10 million tons for another 100 possible, which would be basically possible. Because you have the buffer of the open pits where if one day you don't have enough from the underground, which is always a problem, you have to strike through a, through a hole, through a shaft, through a ramp, you always have the open pit. And um, the study is is... It's conservative, it's realistic, it's, it's, we really want to push hard, uh, the, the, the consultants were using standard costs, the standard capital costs not optimized, and still got very nice numbers. And uh, all those numbers you have mentioned in present value discounted at 8% is after tax. And this served also to compare with other development projects, in, let's say in the middle of nowhere, where Yes, they get a fantastic uh, net present value of one, two million, but that's after the poor project starts, so you have to discount it to the present date, and also with a huge capex. This doesn't require pre-production capex. Basically, it's like the capex that were seen in the in the report, which is published in our web page, is ongoing capex coming from the existing operations. It's like it's normal. Just to be clear, that's um, the phase one is 186 million euros, um, which is almost the same as a dollar. Does it frustrate you? Because you've got the, the market capitalization of the company is around 625, $630 million. Um, and the NPV is two and a half times that. You know, you're trading at... 40% of NPV, plus you've got um, Turo, plus you've got uh, other projects in the portfolio. You yeah, know, we have net cash. Ha I agree with you. I mean, we're trading for cash. Um, for how, 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 do you, how do you close that value gap? You know, what, 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 what do you feel that you need to do to, to kind of say that we should be trading closer to um, less of a discount to NPV for our main project? I think this is... Uh, uh, a long-term race and we have to be doing exactly what we are doing now explaining things and saying look guys this company it's, it's trading at probably 30 percent or even 25 percent of their real value after tax uh and when you could and that's already discounted at eight percent if you consider the after tax 
cash flows, which is basically what's equivalent, uh, available for dividends. We're talking about three billion in a company that's trading at uh, five hundred. So it's even worse than that. It's, it's double of that. Uh, how do we close the gap? Explaining these things, explaining that the case of twenty two was a special case that with circumstances that are likely not going to be repeated. Explaining that uh, our company has always been fulfilling their promises. When we say we do this, we do it, or we try to do it, and so far we have been lucky with it. There are some external factors that uh, affect us last year, specifically the inflation, slightly lower copper prices. So I think it's a matter of insisting, uh, seeing more and more um, potential investors, uh, let them compare and see what's available. Uh, we are not a large company, which also limits a lot the the ability of large funds to buy our stock. But it's a company that uh, that will our share price. I have no question that will go up and and. He did buy by the factors. I have no question. Your, your your shareholder register has changed. You know, it's evolved over a number of years. Because I remember a few years ago when I when I used to think about Atalaya, I used to think, oh, it's very tightly held by three or four big groups. You know, they had the Kazakhs, the Chinese. I mean, you you've still got um, Trafigura in there at twenty two percent. But I think apart from that, it's it's. Uh, am I right in thinking that there are no major? Um, Kind of strategic investors. No, uh, Trafigura has been there since 2015. If I remember, I think they came in buying a block of a fund from the US at the, that was 18% at the time. They have one seat at the board. They they are a positive shareholder. They don't interfere at all, or they're very positive. And um, and the rest are all institutions. Uh, the largest being a Spanish uh, value fund. Uh, uh, Cobas, which is, they have been mining and selling at theirs when there was an opportunity with a big and important position. And lots of other institutions from Canada, US, Spain, UK, France, Italy, and Switzerland, I would say. And with uh, some retail, not, not probably not enough. Uh, but I think we are quite happy with the register. The volumes are are good. Uh, we trade. We still need to improve the situation and we are working on that to move away from AIM uh, to the main market. We are also, because there are some companies and some funds uh, that cannot invest in AIM. Also, we got some some kind of difficulties with the Brexit in the sense that there are some funds also European-based that need to invest in euro denominated uh, companies. So there are some issues that we can still improve in our register, but we're working on when you When you market to a new institution, do you do you describe yourself as a growth stock or, a, or as a leveraged company, um, a leveraged play on the copper price? I think we are a growth stock. We are a growth stock without any worse. We are growth. Of course, we are leveraged because we are growth in copper. I mean, our company... In, in in eight years, have doubled the production. In the last uh, three, we have been quite stable, but we are now starting to see the next leg uh, of growth. Uh, and I see our company probably in double, producing double in 
than now in, in three years' time or in four years' time, with very limited capex. So, so last year you produced fifty-two thousand tons of uh, of copper. So, I, let's um, we'll talk about um, Turo in the northwest of Spain later, because um, that has got the potential to produce thirty thousand tons. But we we don't know about the timelines, or I don't know about. Um, but um, from from Andalusia, from the from the um, from the pyrite belt, from southern Spain. What's the the growth profile going to look like in terms of tons over the coming years? Look, the growth profile will come uh, with the addition of of uh, San Dionisio and this areas around Rutito. Basically, will be more copper with higher grade of San Dionisio, and when we get the sink into in production, which starts basically in year twenty seven. So in four years from now, our copper equivalent will get around 100,000 tons of copper equivalent, which is copper plus zinc, without having any consideration with total. Of course, we can speak about that uh, later, but I'm confident that um, I'm confident that total will have uh, positive news within this period. So it will be additional to what we have at Rio. So um, on your presentation on Toro, you talk about community engagement. You, you know, there, are some, so there are some nice slides, but there are no um, specifics. On Toro, we have been beaten once. We have been hit once. I think I have to say that very unfairly. Just just to recap for the, for the, for the viewer or for the listener, um, Turo is a, is a copper project in the northwest of the country that you applied for an environment or you applied for an environmental permit I think three or four years ago, and uh, some part of the community engagement didn't go um, in your favour, um, and you were rejected, and so you've you've kind of pulled back and you've you've done a much more kind of comprehensive engagement with all of the stakeholders. Um, and you've re- redesigned the plant, you've redesigned the, 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 the project, and now you're working about getting that accepted. Is, is, is that a fair summary? It's a fair summary. Uh, let me go back to, to this. Uh, for those who don't know this, Copper's total uh, produce, a copper product in Northwest that has been a past producing mine. This mine was mined actually by the Rio Tinto Group or Rio Tinto Patino at that time, it, and I think it closed in 87, 88. So that's first part. Um, we have been doing a facility study there. We drill. We found resources. We designed a other project. And three years ago, after submitting the application, we got a negative environmental impact declaration. I say that this was unfair. Of course, we have to accept it because it was new excuses. I mean, we got like fifteen reports. 13 were positive and two were negative, and that's enough to have a negative resolution. And uh, the, the reasons were potential affection to the streams, river, downstream, you, uh, a potential um, break or, or, yeah, let's say a potential breach of the tailings uh, facility. And second is the effect on waters, on streams, using as an example, the past historic performance of the mine. So, in other words, we were being kind of subject or accused of 
due to the past operators not doing the right things because they didn't use plastic lining in the tailings, which was not common at that time. There was some acid drainage in the rivers and the anti-mining groups were saying, oh, look what happened in the past. There is a danger that this happens in the future. Okay, it's not a good reason, but there is a, it is a reason. And the second thing was the potential breaking of the tailings pond. And of course, they were using the images of the, the Brumadinho tailings in Brazil disaster, which has nothing to do with this type of tailings. Again, we accepted, and there was a kind of social movement against the project, not in the area of the mine, where, where it's totally positive, but in the external parts of the mine. So we decided to take it easy, and we are constant, and we did two things. First, modify the product in order to avoid those excuses. We use a tailing system that's reinforced, that doesn't have any water on top, so we made changes to the product that doesn't have water on top of the tailing, so this new water cannot be a wave to break. Of course, this is constructed with rock, plastic line, with zero discharge, so with absolutely all safety uh, controls that can be imagined. There's absolutely no possibility of this thing happening. And then, how can you justify the, the, the problem with the acid water being generated by the past? In the project, the previous project, we had already assumed that we were going to fix it. But of course, they were okay saying, look, who knows if you're going to fix it, okay? In this case, we engaged with the regional government and, and institutions said, let us fix it ahead of the project. We'll show you that this, what we were going to do in the future, we can do it now. So there's no question that's going to be done. At the same time, engage with the communities downstream to explain the project, to explain what we're doing, speak with the fishermen to say, look, we are the first ones that are interested in having the rivers clean. Because if the rivers are not clean and we are stopped, our business is finished. So why would we do things against our own business? We are in the same boat. We also want the streams clean. And we sign agreements, we engage. So we are ready we believe that the project is going to be approved. We believe that this thing is, is is going to be important for this region. And we are ready to wait as much as needed because we are sure that this project is going to be well done. By the way, I am from the area. I have family living only 20 something kilometers, cousins. My sister lives less than 100 kilometers. I was born less than 100 kilometers away. I'm not going to do allow anything that's not a perfect example in the area. I want this project to go ahead because I, I believe, honestly, I believe that Galicia, my, my region, is going to feel very proud in the future of this modern mine that we apply. When, when institutions of Galicia visited our mine in the south and saw the amount of, of high tech, of control, so we were applied, they were amazed. Is, I mean, if there is anything new in the world, and some of them is in, not even applied in the world, we're in the city. Yeah. So, 
I, 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 I want this thing to be approved. And I strongly believe it will be approved. Good. Well, we can we can leave that as optionality for the uh, for the viewer. You know, if if Toro comes in, it's not in the price at the moment, but it, it's kind of embedded optionality. Um, talking about innovation, you've also got the Elix um, investment that you made. You invested, I think, close to seventeen million euros last year. Um, can you just give me a quick update on where that has got to and, and, and what's, what's happening on Elix, which is the, the, the leaching technology? Elix is, is a leaching technology uh, that basically dissolves the copper and zinc uh, concentrates and lead, of course, and produces high, high value, uh, either copper or zinc metal directly. Uh, for those that are not uh, fully exp experts in this, uh, you should know that normally copper concentrates are smelted uh, in in a, in a smelter. They are burnt, and then you apply energy, and you produce metal directly uh, after certain steps steps of, of purification. Uh, why is a, a leaching system, a dissolution system, not applied? Because charcoal parhead the, the or containing the metal, or the mineral containing the metal, is very difficult to reach. It requires a lot of energy due to, to one thing called passivation. Basically, particles get a coat of something that avoids the advancing of the leaching. Well, a lady called Hevalaim, as uh, that we have been sponsoring in the last uh, seven years, discovered a system uh, to get rid of that problem and applying energy, but instead of burning, applying energy through electricity, so it's a very clean system that does not have any fumes or any generation of acid or anything like that, was able to break this, this layer of passivation and, and basically dissolve. Why is this important? It's important because you can separate grains and you dissolve them totally. You can separate grains without having to separate physically grains of minerals independently. In other words, imagine you have imagine you have a white and brown uh, sugar, and you want to separate grain by grain. Well, you will have to choose one by one, and and be able to put uh, uh, groups of brown and white. By doing it with the solution, you put everything in the hot water, everything gets dissolved, and then if there was a way to to separate by, let's say. Uh, Chemistry, you can separate the, the sugar by, in this case, copper by electrowinning. This is very important because in the parrot belt where we have an exclusivity to use the system, uh, there are huge reserves of what we call polymetallics, which means the, the ores that contain a mixture of copper, lead, zinc, very uh, interbedded. How is this progressed? Well, we after after years of pilot plant to test it, uh, we decided to build a demonstration plant as an industrial plant, uh, still not very large, but industrial already. I mean, quite decent size. Uh, it's a building of 130 meters long by uh, two sides of the, so basically like 60 meters, so quite like more than a, foot, like a football field, and uh, and it's been constructed. Uh, in summer, we'll start commissioning, and um, we're quite excited because it can be a game changer. 
the game changer is, which is also not in the value of the stock, is not being used in the valuation of the PA, but can give a, an extra added value due to the fact that we can recover more. The recoveries will be much higher between 15 to 20 points higher than using, using conventional flotation. So it can be a game changer. We, we are very prudent always because these new things I'm sure will have issues to start and so on, but after years and years of, of loud, small pilot plant, large pilot plant, we are quite confident that it will work. And will the first application be on a small percentage of the material you're producing? Yes. Initially, we will start with material that has copper, but also contains zinc that right now is being discarded and goes away. It is not getting paid. It's not getting penalized also. So right now, for example, we our concentrates contain 4 to 5% zinc that simply disappears. I mean, I suppose there is methods to recover it in some way. I'm sure they do. But we are not, we don't get paid. Uh, but we have areas that have uh, some zinc values and, and copper also. So we will continue to be copper producer. But initially, we will start producing byproducts of, of zinc. But this thing can will be able to produce both zinc, copper, and lead. How much more money will it need this year? And when will you kind of be able to say it's actually working? Uh, the last question, I think... Uh, by the end of this year, we will be already working and having shown some metal of different style, types for industrial application. How much more? Not much. I would say maybe five minutes more. As it gone. Most of the equipment is, is bought. is basically waiting delivery uh, and, and assembly. I mean, it's, uh, being a non-conventional system, it has it takes more time because the the owner of the technology doesn't want to give the whole package to one single engineering company to have the whole knowledge, and this is taking longer than than expected being the first one. Good. Well, um, Alberto, thank you. I mean, we, we've we've. Um, just spoken in general about the 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 um, the Rio Tinto uh, PEA and Sarah Colorado. Um, you, you you produced fifty two thousand tons of copper uh, last year. What's the guidance for twenty twenty three? Around fifty four thousand tons plus minus two, for, uh, similar to previous year. I mean, this last year we would have produced around fifty four fifty five if it. Uh, it wasn't a, a strike in in March uh, that, that was 15 days stopped. And this year we expect uh, we don't expect an issue. Maybe in the first quarter we have a slightly slower start due to some maintenance plant maintenance, but we will be. I'm, I believe we will be in the range of 54,000, very steady and very. All of boring production. And so, so is 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 that kind of what the um, the observers or the the investors can expect for the rest of twenty twenty three? It's it's steady state with the possible um, uh, good news coming from Turo. I think they will have a a second quarter better than the first quarter from a production point of view. Although economic results will be decent in all of the cases. Um, and uh, yeah, very steady in general. I think uh, the second or third quarter are going to be very good due to you know, there's no stops, no big stops for maintenance. There's another maintenance stop planned for uh, September, October. I remember right now.
normally it's at least two a year, six each six months more or less, uh, which means one week less of production. That's all. But it's like a, a pit stop in the in the Formula One. You recover in the following laps by changing the tires. The same thing. Um, besides that, uh, we will have news from Inspiration. We continue having four rakes in Inspiration. We we will have some news of the evolution of Alex hopefully in, during the summer. And uh, let's see if we can have some positive news also from Tone. You never know. But of course, this does not depend on us. Thank you very much. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you. And um, I look f- forward to hearing kind of more updates during the course of the year. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot, Lynn. And uh, happy to speak uh, whenever you want.